through us, people also tasting and seeing that the Lord is good. Amen. And I'm sure we've got multiple stories as his people that we could share of how we have tasted and seen at some point and are continuing to see his goodness. And I want to talk about um, that today. And so come with me to Psalms 34, verse 8. And we're going to base pretty much um, the message off this passage. Psalms 34, verse 8. You can smell that bread. Oh, thank you to Vera Anderson and Chris and Sandra Logan. They've helped me, or they've put that together. And all going well, we'll be able to sample that bread as we take communion together um, at the end of my message. But Psalm 34, 8, O taste and see that the Lord is good. Say that with me. O taste and see that the Lord is good. How blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. How blessed is the man, woman who takes refuge in him. We're going to look at what that word refuge means. But I'm thinking about this whole thing of tasting and seeing. And and, uh, in our household, predominantly I do the groceries on a Monday with Lily. And you'll find us at Pack and Save around about sort of nine o'clock zooming around the aisles as you do as the dad, don't you dad? You know, when you, you run and you jump on the aisle and you take off and you're ducking and diving, pack and save workers and people that are packing boxes and having an absolute scream and you're about 17 again or 13 again. But one of the cool things about doing the shopping, uh, whether it's 9 o'clock in the morning, it tends to be more on Saturday, sometimes you run into these people who are sampling some good stuff, aren't they? They're, they are there testing some things. They're there and they've got their little cookers going and you can get some fresh meat or, or lamb or steak or something. And, and then the real cool ones are where you turn up and they have a little bit of wine and you can sample a bit of wine and you can taste these uh, the, 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 the products. Not that Jesus is a product, but it's a quite a cool analogy. Okay, But you can taste and see whether you want to buy what they're selling. You have an opportunity to chew. Oh, that, oh, that's horrible. You told me that was going to be nice. Or you go, that is beautiful. I think I'll take 10 cartons of that. But in that moment, you can taste and see whether what they are selling is good. And God would say to us today and tomorrow and Tuesday, and he's told yesterday, he said, taste and see that I'm good. Learn to taste and see that I'm good because the man, woman, or child that is found in me who takes their refuge in me. And that word refuge means this, to seek refuge, flee for protection, to put trust in God, confide or hope in God. That person that's found there will be blessed. Now, I don't mean a blessing in the sense of a massive financial download, you're going to win the lottery. What I mean is your life will be alive. Everyone's like, damn. <laughs> I was believing on that doctrine. <laughs> no, no. That your life would be full of His life. Him in you would be to such a measure that the life of Christ in you would be radiant. You've tasted so much of Him and His reality that you can see not only spiritual context now but also in the future and you've been glory to Him. What a phenomenal thing to taste and see that the Lord is, in fact, good. 
He does not lie. He keeps every promise that he says. And that's what I want to look at this morning. So what does it mean to taste and see that the Lord is good? How many could smell that aroma, that bread aroma right now? Oh, I still can smell it. It's beautiful. It's awesome, isn't it? What, what, what feelings are you getting now from smelling it? <laughs> we might need some bodyguards around. Oh, thanks, Amar. Amar's at the back protecting it. That's awesome. <laughs> but it's one thing to smell it, isn't it? What about now if that was ready and it came out and we could all have a slice of it? Imagine that. There's this warm bit of bread now in front of you. David's belly, I just heard it groan. <laughs> and you've got margarine or butter and your favorite spread that you could just start to put on it. Just imagine this right now. Nice cup of coffee beside you from the cafe. And now you launch into it and you bite it. Who's gone somewhere right now? <laughs> Who's leaving and going somewhere right now? <laughs> And now imagine the taste on the tongue. Not only can you smell it, now you are tasting it and it feels good, yeah? Now imagine it going down your throat and into your stomach. How full do you feel? How good does it feel? So you've gone from not only smelling something, but now you're tasting it and now you're experiencing the reality of what you've just smelt, tasted and it feels amazing. Knowing Him can be like that and beyond. You see, we all know what that tastes like and smells like, but let me tell you this, knowing Him and experiencing Him and tasting Him leaves that completely. And this is this reality that God wants to bring us into. And my hope today is I just want to really share the best I can about, I guess, the freedom that, that God has brought me into. It's fascinating that we're singing freedom and Simon brings freedom and everyone's talking about freedom. I looked at Paul and we just started laughing. I said, check this out. How God just aligns everything. But to taste and see, and freedom's just one aspect, doesn't it? I mean, it's a huge aspect, but it's one aspect. And I want to share about how I have tasted and seen more of him and that has brought me into a greater measure of freedom right here and here. And my hope today is that through that testimony and the testimony about Jean and the testimony of, of what we've just heard and what's happening, that we would be encouraged and edified to go and seek out more and more and more this person called Jesus Christ. The Bible says pursue love. When you think about that, what does that mean? Pursue love. It means to seek it out. It means to go after. And I love what Sally said just before. She said, you know what? Really all I've done, I've, I've stopped striving in my, in my, in my flesh and my, my strength and I'm just allowing. I'm allowing him to come. And uh, that's awesome. You know, I'm, I'm, in, a, I'm in a group um, that meet on a Friday, a discipleship group, early in the morning. And we have the privilege. Uh, Vera Anderson is awesome. And you can't come to this group because then there'd be no bread for us. <laughs> I'm only kidding. 
That was a joke. Okay. <laughs> um, she makes this bread every Friday. And we get to partake of this bread that you're about to partake of every Friday. And I tell you, it tastes amazing. It tastes incredible. And Jesus said these words in John 6.35. He said, I am the bread of life. It's me. I am. He said, he who comes to me will never be hungry. I mean, check that out for reality. I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will never be hungry. He takes it another step. He says, and he who believes in me will never thirst. I mean, just go back to that little bread analogy that you've just been meditating on. And the fullness of the taste and the smell and how good that feels going down and how contented and how peaceful and the joy in your physical body because that bread was so warm going down. Now the coffee, whoa. And he says this, if you come to me, you'll have that feeling 24-7. You see, we'll leave here and by about two or three hours again, we're all going to be hungry, aren't we? And we're going to need another bit of bread, heated up, and another coffee to feel the same feeling, that satisfaction, that wholeness. But he says, if you partake of me, if you taste and see that I am good, you can experience that 24-7. I can be in you so much to a measure because I've revealed myself to you because you've sought me that you can live from that posture. Who wants that? Man, I mean, it's phenomenal. And then he says this in John 6, 51, I am the living bread that came down out of heaven. So we know walking through the wilderness in what we call the Old Testament. It's one book. But we call it the Old Testament. He was the living manna that was being given. The Bible says in Hebrews, it was him. He says, I am the living bread. And so what do we notice about these two scriptures? One, the bread's living. It's a living reality. Man cannot live on bread alone, but every word out of the mouth of God. It's a living substance. The second thing is that the bread came out of heaven. It's not of the earth. This bread that consumes, that can fill you, that, once again, remember, it's a promise. What we've just read is a promise. It's not a good idea. When he says this, when he says, I am the bread of life, he who comes to me, he states it, will not hunger. And he who believes will never thirst. So he speaks a reality, doesn't he? And he promises us this. And this living bread comes out of Heaven. So let me just read this. This bread is a living person. And this bread that takes away our hunger and quenches our thirst is not from the earth. We can't find this bread that satisfies our hunger or quenches our thirst in anything from the earth. Meaning, a husband or wife or child. They will never quench this hunger, this thirst. Another person, bar Christ, can never fulfill you and I. 
We try and make them. We put all sorts of pressures and boundaries and expectations on people to try and fill us. You know what that does? That destroys people. It destroys relationship. It puts baggage and bondage and heavy weights on people that they were never designed to carry. Why? Because we're not complete in ourselves. You see, it's not of the earth. It's from heaven. It's from another reality. But it came and chose to live here on earth. And the reality is God calls us forth to be part of that from another dimension living on earth as well. People. Phenomenal. So we don't find it in people. You won't find it in a job. You won't find it in fame. You won't find it in money. You won't find it in rugby. You won't find it in soccer. You won't find it in a career. We can only find this living bread in the one who is not of the earth taste and see that the Lord is good. Can you put up that next slide for me? It's that cool picture. Check that out. Yeah! How cool is that? This living word that can actually come around and grab hold of you. This person who can meet and satisfy a hunger and a thirst. The living reality of the Christ. God wants us to experience Him and His goodness. Amen? He wants you and I to experience and enjoy the reality of Him. Not just have a head knowledge of Him. He wants us to taste and see that He is good. And that His purposes are pleasing and perfect. Who likes coffee? How can you be from Wellington and not like coffee? (laughs) Anyone here not from Wellington? Here's a cup of coffee made from the rock. Now, beautiful cup of coffee they make here at the rock. The reality is that I could tell you all about this coffee. I could tell you that, well, I know it's coffee. I saw them make the coffee, so I know it's coffee. I can tell you it's hot. If I drink it real quick, it's going to burn my mouth. I know that. I know it's true. I know it's real. I can touch it and see it. But if I never taste it, if I never actually put it to my mouth and drink it, I never come into the fullness or the experience of the difference the coffee can make in me. Especially with the hot bread and the jam on that. And maybe a bit of raisins. See, I can know the facts about coffee. But I'm sure the people that make the coffee and the coffee beans themselves want me to experience them. The people that are out in the fields and doing whatever they do in the manufacturing process, really don't just work away so you can go, wow, that's coffee, that's awesome, but never taste it. God wants us to taste and see that He is good, amen? To taste of Him. And you know what's cool? There are different kinds of coffee. So what coffee do you like? 
a latte, a cappuccino, a flat white. Anyone here like soy lattes? Brooke Turner, everywhere you go, I'll give you a soy latte. (laughs) Come on, mate, harden up. Soy latte. (laughs) I'm only joking again. If you like soy latte, it's cool. (laughs) I've discovered this Meccano. Anyone like Meccano coffee? I know it's sort of like, it's not the cheap man's coffee, but it's sort of in between, you know, the the Michael Hewitt's and top of the range coffee and (laughs) where I sit. But Meccano do a caramel coffee. I discovered it about four or five weeks ago. It's beautiful. But how do I know it's beautiful if I leave it on the shelf? Because I could have been used to my old Meccano coffee, which is nice. But I've got to taste and see the depths of God. You see, we made a taste and saw God 20 years ago. When we came into Nam and man, I came in at a rush and boom, it was amazing. And I was tasting and seeing almost every day. But today, I don't know if I've tasted him for a while. Couldn't even really tell you the last time I've really tasted and felt the feeling of that bread that I have every Monday morning when I go and get a coffee and a bit of bread at the local cafe. You see, the depths of him are incredible. The variety of coffee is like the variety of God. Now, I don't mean variety of God. There are multiple gods. I mean the depth that we had to come into, the freedom that we can be found in because he's revealed himself. There's no limit. There's no limit to the life that we can experience in him, is there? He's limitless, which is truly phenomenal, which means that I can taste and see and experience him at another measure. So I have this question, and I asked it, I guess, before, but when did we last taste another aspect or depth of Christ and it's changed us? When was the last time we tasted to the measure where you can genuinely say, that engagement, I'm different. I'm telling you, I'm different. This was an issue, it's no longer, or... I've got a hunger for his word that I never had before. I've got a love for people that I never had before. I've got a love for my wife that I've never had before. I have a love for my neighbor, the lost. I never had it before. I've got a love for praying that I never had it before. Because we've tasted and seen that the Lord is good because I was found in the refuge of him. So what does it look like when we taste and see God's goodness and his perfect purposes? And as I said to you, I'm just going to share just one aspect of what he's been doing in my own life and the freedom that I'm in now. This will sound really weird, okay? The freedom from the bondage of ministry that I've come into. You know, some of us might be struggling in addiction or other things or pride or or I don't know, whatever. But for me, it's been a freedom of ministry and the expectation that I put on myself and if I'm being honest, people actually put on you as well because they have expectations of what you're supposed to be. And if you allow it, you can take that on and I think I did to a measure and instead of being free, you're in bondage. And you run around like a madman keeping 
plate spinning because you think that's what you're supposed to do because that's what it means to be in a full-time position in ministry. And nobody benefits. <laughs> and Galatians 5.1 says this, it's for freedom that Christ came. So keep standing firm and do not be yoked again to a bond of slavery. Keep standing firm because it's for freedom that he came. And so I'm in this place of freedom that, man, I've never been in and I'm not going back to where I was. I'm not going to allow anything to take me back to that place of running around having 15 meetings a week trying to motivate and inspire people and at the end of the week going, man, I'm knackered, absolutely exhausted, and going, is this what you meant when you said, come and serve me? I said, no. <laughs> and so I want to talk a little bit about that because it was in my thinking. You know, we've been talking about oneness in Him and because we've all received Him, then we are one with Him. That's what the Bible teaches us. But then I've been taking that to another step and saying that well, God wants us to come into a oneness of thinking. You read in the Bible and it says a lot about being one in mind. What does that mean to be one in mind? And, you know, be one in an ability to hear. So we hear what the Spirit's saying. And we, we see, taste and see. And so together as a community, we're coming into this greater reality. And for me in this area, personally, it was my thinking wasn't renewed to His way. And so God had to take me on a journey of over 18 months as I sought Him and was seeking, pursuing love, that He started to show me and reveal to me through His Holy Spirit that my thinking, part of my thinking in the way I was leading and the expectation that I put on myself, and to be honest, the expectation that God's people put on you because you're in this position and you're paid and so you should be doing X, Y, and Z and all that stuff, he started unfolding it and he actually showed me what I will build my church was in the Spirit. And I went, oh my goodness. And I actually, if you were here at the time, I repented because God showed me it and I was like, man, my wrong thinking was driving you guys instead of inspiring because of a lack of understanding or a place I wasn't in. And as I've come into that place of freedom in Him and almost taking your hands off stuff and not trying to make it happen, it's quite funny what happens. Some people like it and some don't like it. <laughs> but I tell you what, it's been freeing to me. See, the religious system had me thinking and believing that I had to be this great leader and a great motivational speaker and have the best program and the best music and the best youth programs and the best kids programs because if you don't, guess what? Nobody turns up. It's happening right now. I mean, I looked at a program for a recent conference and I was tired looking at it. Everything you could ever want will meet that need. I was literally physically tired. My spirit yearned. 
the consumeristic nature of it was sickening. And you know what? We can even not intentionally, I don't believe any of it's intentionally, but we can create it and it carries and creates burdens for everybody. The amount of men and women that I deal with and people in my position at the moment that I can see that are burnt out. It's incredible. A good buddy of mine had to go away for three months and it was only in the last week that he felt he'd come into any sort of rest because of the pressure and the burden of wrong expectation and wrong mindsets. He said, I will build my church. Just play your little part. And I'm telling you, the freedom that I've come into from tasting and seeing that he is good, the, the weight that has been lifted. And so I say this now, I care, but I just don't carry. There is still a burden, but it is light. Because the right person is carrying it. It's freedom. But when you go to places and leadership environments who tell you to be a big dog leader, you got to be a big dog leader, not a small dog leader. What's a big dog leader? What's that? That's one that has about, you know, 70,000 people and is flying around the world and attending all the conferences. What's a big dog leader? Do you know what that does to people? Just creating expert. Oh man, I'm not this. I've got to be this. What does that make me? Am I a big dog leader? I'm not a big dog leader. What's a small dog leader? It's a chihuahua versus a doberman. What about this one? Let's go and save the universe for Jesus. And let's go win our city and our nation. Really? Yeah. I'm into reaching people for Christ. I'm into seeing people come in to understand, to know Christ. But Jesus said, I will draw all men to myself, not you, Greg. He said, I will seek and save the lost, not you, Greg. You see, it's so subtle, the difference between you thinking you got to do it and Christ actually being the one. You see, if the commission isn't defined by the commandment, that's why it's first. You know what happens? You get a whole lot of people running past the commandment, trying to do the commission, but they haven't been confined or defined by the commandment, so they do it in their own strength, which was me. And what happens is you get burnt out. Yes, we are to reach the lost. We are a sent people. But what nature, heart, posture, thinking do we go in? Because one will bind you up and have you carrying weights and burdens you were never designed to do. And the other one will have going with life and the Spirit. You've partaken of Him. And so when you actually meet the person you're called to reach, do you know who they see? Christ. I don't want anyone to see me. I want them to see Christ in me because I've tasted and I've seen of something of him that is worth giving away. And you know what? A non-Christian world can smell bread. 
They can smell the real bread and they can smell the inauthentic bread. You see, Christ is enough. In all this, if we don't have this and if we don't have that and if we don't do this, why would they come? My hope is Christ. If I need a program to motivate myself, I'm in trouble. If I need any of those things to be part of God's community, I'm really in trouble. If I need my own need met by really a community, and that's why I come, I'm really in a state of trouble because what happens if it doesn't get met? What happens if those things change? What happens if God says no more of some of those things? Can I still stand? Christ is enough, guys. When we taste and see of the reality of Him, all those things which are not wrong, but they are just an outcome and they are not what I'm hanging my hat on. So you could move them, shift them, change them. It's all irrelevant. Because I've tasted and I've seen Him. And I'm found in refuge in Him. But the pressure to perform and keep the religious system operating can kill us. It was killing me. I call it empire building and it has been killing people for many years as well as congregational people. We've got some great friends in New Plymouth. Man, have they got a testimony to talk about of being in the religious system and keeping the machine going because it was demanded of them. Because if we don't do this and if we don't do that and if we don't have this and if we don't have the latest and if we don't have all these things, the people don't turn up. So let's keep the thing cranking and cranking and cranking and cranking. Now I'm not saying that having large meetings and I'm not saying that having you know, amazing gatherings is wrong, but what is the heart posture behind it all? Is it from a place of relationship and authenticity with Christ because I'm here because I want to be and because I'm so in love because once again, like that bread, I've tasted and I've seen to a measure and it's working in me and I'm walking with Him, allowing Him to show me more and so the measure of tasting and seeing is growing and growing and growing. Through my seeking of Him, God showed me what I will build my church actually means. And the freedom of that revealed truth has literally released something off me and I feel light. I still carry His burden, but it is light. Just come with me to John 8, um, 31. How's the bread, guys? Oh, look, it's cut. It's, it's done. Look at that. By the way, if it doesn't taste that great, blame the Logans and the Anderson, okay? It's not. <laughs> Just put that in there right now. <laughs> How's that for oneness? <laughs> John 8, 31. And we know this passage well. And we quote it a lot of the times. And it's an awesome truth. The truth will make you free. Verse 31. So Jesus was saying to those Jews 
who had believed him. I find this fascinating. Okay, So these are Jews who had believed him. If you continue in my word. See, generally what happens is when you hear this passage preached, it's preached from verse 32, never 31. And so you genuinely hear this, and you will know the truth, and the truth will make you free. And we go, hallelujah, amen, I'm going to grab that, and that is true, and that is awesome. But it's not the whole truth. It's truth, but it's not the whole truth. Verse 31 says this, if you continue in my word, remember he's talking to these Jews who have just believed. So he's saying, guys, you've believed me to a measure. If you continue in my word, then you are truly disciples of mine. And you will know, that word know, gnosko, intimately, you will know the truth. You will know what the bread tastes like. You will know that I am the living bread that you can taste. You will know, you will come to experience that if you partake of me, guys, you'll never go hungry again. You'll never be thirsty again. So there's this present text thing happening. Well, you are and you are free and you're becoming free. And you know, but you will know more. And then he says, then you are truly soft and you will know the truth and the truth will... Now some say set, I love this, it says make. Make you free. Once again, it signals a process, doesn't it? I'm free and I'm being made free. I'm free from certain things. Up until three and a half years ago, you've just heard my testimony, I wasn't free from the pressures and the burden of some of the things in ministry. You know, I don't want you to have a king, but we want to have a king. But I don't want you to have a king, but we want a king. Why do people want kings? Why do we need people with titles and positions? Because we like to know who's in charge. And we like to know who's responsible. And at times we can go, well, it's your job to do those things. And what happens when that's the mindset? You know what happens? The eyes go off the king. And they get put on man or woman. And sometimes that man or woman is not designed, even gifted to carry that responsibility. The other negative thing is also we can, we can give away responsibility. Well, that means I don't have to be responsible. I don't have to partake of. No, that's not the kingdom. That may be the world. That's not the kingdom. Everyone's responsible. He's saying here, if you're going to continue with me, you'll truly be my disciples. He's got things for us all to partake of as a body and individually. You will know the truth and the truth will make you free. Verse 33, this is what I find interesting. And they answered him, remember these Jews that had believed, we are Abraham's descendants and have never yet been enslaved to anyone. How is it that you say you will become free? I'm just going to read this out. Verse 33. These Jews are now believers in Christ yet still think as unsaved Jews. Not understanding the freedom that is to be experienced in Christ and we also can find ourselves in this posture. They believed. He talks about a freedom that they're to come into. Their response is, what are you talking about? We're of Abraham. What are you talking about? This freedom, becoming free. 
taste and see that the Lord is good. What he's saying there is, I want you to taste of me way more than what you currently are. Like my thinking wasn't and still won't be because this is an ongoing process of having your mind renewed daily. And so it's like, my goodness, like these men are now, hold on a minute, what are you talking about? Well, my word's living and active and it's sharper and it's, it's got life on it. So I'm presenting a reality that you're not maybe quite in yet in the spirit. So come and walk with me and remain in my word. Remember, verse 31, is it? Those who continue in my word will become a greater reality of this. Phenomenal. And this has been my own testimony of going, I was in this posture, I've walked with, I've continued on the journey and come into, God, I want you more. You know, the outworking of that is when you sample this bread, you want more, eh? Yeah? You know, when you bite into that warm bread and you go, whoa, how many just want one bite? I reckon it's going to be a fight for the bread after this. It's like that with Christ. When you bite into him, eat my flesh, he said, and drink my blood. When you bite, when we partake of a greater reality, you want more and more. Actually, it's the first time you're allowed to be selfish and say, I want more of you. I'm seeking you with all I am. Listen to what 1 John 4, John 4, sorry, John 1 verse 4. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. In Christ was this life, and this life was the light of men. And Matthew 5.14 says, we're the light of the world. So the greater the life of Christ in us, the greater the light when we partake in him and of him. Tasting and seeing God comes from our continual seeking of him. And when our seeking transitions into tasting, there we find his life. In your freedom, I will live. I love that song because it's a statement. You know, I think sometimes we just sing songs because we sing songs. But when you think about it, those are declarative words. You're declaring a reality that you want to come into. In your freedom, I'm going to live. And if I know that I'm not fully in that or I'm struggling with areas, God says, that's fine. That doesn't define your sonship. My blood defines your sonship. But my love is so compelling that I want you to come into the fullness of what you're singing. And so start to speak it over your own life. Start to declare by faith. Now, I'm not talking about grab it, faith, and all that stuff, you know. I'm talking about the reality of the kingdom. Here's some dry bones. And a man turned up and God says, start speaking to the dry bones. And by faith, believe that you're going to see me move. Here's a man that walked into our community with possibly something on his brain, not looking that great, and we started praying. Ingrid wrapped, Jean said when Ingrid wrapped her arms around him, something just started to lift. And we started declaring a reality that currently wasn't, but now look at him. 
You see, when we start taking His living Word, Him, the person, and we start speaking by faith, by belief, things can move and alter. So David encouraged himself in the Lord. I would encourage you to encourage yourself in the Lord. And so say, Lord, what I sing, I want to be a reality. And I'm going to pursue you until it becomes. No different to the picture that God gives us two pictures tied in with prayer about a man who has children. And if you have children, you can probably relate to this more. And they've got no food. So they go to his mate's place at midnight and he's thumping on the door. Boom, boom, boom. Go away, it's late. Boom, boom, boom. Go away, it's late. Boom, boom, boom. We're not going anywhere till we get something to eat. See, the perseverance, the tenacity, God looks to see. The woman who goes to an unrighteous judge. and says, I'm not going anywhere till you give me what I want. Now, once again, the motive has to be pure. So I'm not talking about, you know, give me a red Ferrari. The motive's pure and God may want to bless you with that. Awesome. But I'm talking about when it's in him and it's his will, he sees that heart and he's just the tenacity, the perseverance. He says, man, the, the judge really says this way, you're such a pain. And I don't have the fear of God. I don't even have the fear of man or the fear of God. He says, but because you're such a pain, there you go. I reckon we need to be a pain in God's and get in front of him and say, I want the reality that I read about. My experience is God responds to that heart in ways that he doesn't respond maybe to the heart that's, well, yeah, maybe, you know. Oh, what's that again over there? Oh, that's right, that's Liverpool. We're winning again. Cool. Or the ABs beat the South Africans again. So, can I encourage us with this and leave you with this? To step out of what's comfortable and known and seek Him with all you have so we all get to taste and see that the Lord is good. We all, at different ways and different measures and all that, but we all, this week, would taste and see a reality of God that maybe we haven't seen yet. And so, just um, invite the guys back.